this is Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from this morning, August 27th. As we finish up summer and start rounding the corner towards fall, people are starting to come back. We have a few more people each week as school gets started this week. But we're still working with the daily walk and still in the book of 1 Corinthians, although we'll move out of that this week. And so this is from 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 1 through 8. It's not the reading that you'll hear on the tape. That's the gospel reading from Luke 10. Um, But really the sermon is based partly on that, but mostly on 1 Corinthians 13, especially the first part of verse 8, which is the sermon title, Love Never Ends. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 28. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The man answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You've given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just after I began serving my first church down in Cross City, Florida, we made a number of physical changes and renovations to the church property. And I'm sure we weren't the first ones to experience this, but no sooner had we poured the concrete for the new nice walkway into Fellowship Hall than some kid had written his name in the wet cement. Now, some might say it was just vandalism by a bad kid, but I think that particular kind of prank has a deeper longing behind it, the longing for immortality. I'll bet if I started asking around, there would be a fair number here who at one time or another have done something just in the hopes that it would outlast us. Maybe we carved our initials in a tree or in a restroom. Maybe we put our hand or foot in wet cement. Maybe we started a collection or bought some jewelry or created a work of art that we hope will be passed down through the generations or written in a diary expecting that maybe someday this will be written and read by adoring fans. Maybe we've scrimped and saved our money, hoping to leave an endowment or a memorial gift that will ensure our presence and influence long after we're gone. Maybe we built a business or patented an invention or invested ourselves and our children to carry on the family name and the reputation. For my part, I went to a biblical archaeology seminar in New York. It was my graduation present from college. And I spent three evenings reconstructing a ceramic pot from ancient Palestine, sort of a 3D jigsaw puzzle, knowing that if I got it finished, it was going to sit in a museum in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and exist well beyond my lifetime. And I did it. It's there in Michigan in a museum somewhere. Now I write books. A kid writing a name in wet cement is annoying, especially if it's your cement and you didn't really want a name in it. But we all understand the longing for something beyond ourselves that lies behind it. 
The passage that Bev read this morning from 1 Corinthians is arguably the most eloquent passage in all of scripture. Maybe the 23rd Psalm gives it a run for its money, but it's beautiful. You hear it at almost every wedding, see it on inspirational cards, but perhaps the most appropriate place that I've ever seen this verse is on my father's tombstone where we carved the first part of verse 8, love never fails. It's most appropriate there, not just because my father was a man who loved and because he had 1 Corinthians 13 on his desk at school, but because the message at the heart of 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is the key to immortality. Love never fails. Fails in the sense of not running out, which is why other translations read, love never ends. We're better than a tombstone to proclaim the news that there's only one way to live beyond the grave, one way to ensure that what we do on earth will endure, one way to eternal life, love. Not because love is this great mushy feeling, but because love is the nature of God. God is love, we're told in 1 John 4, 8. Love isn't just what God does. Love is what God is. Love is God's nature. Since only what is done in God will last, only love is eternal. The people in Corinth really weren't all that different from ourselves. They too were looking for a way to make a name for themselves that would outlast them. We talked in past weeks about the way they were invested in the art and the architecture of their many temples in Corinth. In the church, it took the form over competition for who had what spiritual gifts, claiming some that were better than others, wanting their great gifts to be told about in stories that would be passed down. Some thought theirs was the best because they spoke in tongues, some in other languages of earth, others in heavenly languages. Now surely that's something to be remembered. Surely people would remember and tell the stories of the ones who spoke in the strange tongues in the house of the Lord. Sorry, says Paul. Just tongues without love is worthless. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but have not love, it's just so much noise. But my prophecy, cried others, I speak out the very wisdom of God. Surely they will tell of the deep knowledge I possessed of the scriptures. Surely my sermons and my writings will be preserved and consulted for ages to come. And no one can dispute the miracles accomplished by my unswerving faith, said another. Already the stories are told all across the land that whoever so much as touches my handkerchief will be healed. Sorry, says Paul. Unless you also have love, you haven't scored a bit. It's still a big zero. Nothing. Nada. Come on, Paul, you're crazy. You can't tell me that my sacrifices will go unnoticed. I gave away all I owned, all of it, every penny of wealth, every material possession. I have whole buildings named after me and large endowments bear my name. And my brother, he gave up his very life in the lion's den. He volunteered it as a martyr. That will not easily be forgotten. Why, they've written songs about him. Sorry again, says Paul. 
unless it was done as an act of love, it has gained you nothing. Not so much as a divine glance has come your way. When you die, you and your other sacrifices will return to dust. And when the things of earth pass away, none of those buildings will remain standing, and all human currency will be worthless. Only love will remain. A lot of things happened to me that night in 1980 when my father died. You've heard those stories. I think you may even have heard this one before. Because the most important thing that happened to me that night was that I became convinced of the truth of 1 Corinthians 13. There was an instant, he died at home very suddenly um, in the middle of the night, and I ran into his bedroom and saw him, saw him there, realized he was gone. But I realized also that what was there before me was only a shell. It was just a shell, a husk that my father had occupied for a time. There wasn't any sense at all that my father had died, only that he'd left, like a caterpillar had left its cocoon and had taken on another form. And just for this one instant, it felt like I was alone in that room and that the veil between earth and heaven lifted. And I could... I knew more than I've ever known anything else in my life that love was the only thing that mattered. That the relationship I had with him and with others, that that was it. None of the other stuff of life mattered if that hadn't been there. It may sound way out and mystical or weird, but it was a real thing. And it was so real that... I couldn't work well beyond my time that I had off for bereavement because I worked at the time in a rare book library. And so the goal of every day was to go in and collect and preserve and protect books. With every page I typed, with every book I cataloged, with every old map that I filed away, this voice was inside me screaming, it doesn't matter what on earth am I doing here, none of this is going to last, it's all going back to dust, and I am spending eight hours every day doing this. I wanted to cry out with the writer of Ecclesiastes, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. In a rare book library, every action is taken with preserving ancient documents in mind. We were always cold because it was the books, not the people, that were important and you had to keep the place freezing so that it wouldn't harm the books. We refused to allow the president of Mexico, who had traveled all the way up to see a Mayan dictionary codex, the only one in the world, we refused to let him see it. Librarian said, no, you can't see it. It might damage the book if you open it and use it. Always this competition between the book as an art object and the book as a source of information. We spent thousands of dollars to acquire a book that we already had three copies of because this one had been signed by a famous person. And I knew in a way that I had never known so intimately before that none of it mattered. All of the elaborate efforts at security and preservation had no ultimate meaning because it wasn't grounded in love. 
And it made me furious. The span of our lives was so short and so tentative. Could we possibly afford to spend eight precious hours every day preserving books when we could be preserving souls for eternity? It was all I could do to function at my job. But after a month, two months, the memory of that truth behind the veil clouded back over, became less vivid, and once again I could enjoy the human endeavor of collecting and preserving. But I carried with me and will forever the knowledge that Paul was right when he spoke of those things as our childish ways. And I knew that when God would grant me the maturity of death and the veil would be lifted for good, I still knew without a shadow of a doubt what the ultimate question was going to be. I knew that God wasn't going to care how many things I'd collected, how many book spines I had protected from the hands of nasty patrons. I knew that God would not be asking what my income was or why I hadn't been able to catalog 10% more than I had. God's only question is going to be, Anne, who have you loved? That's it, because that's the only thing that matters. The ultimate question, I don't believe, is, is not what doctrine you hold, what technical things you've believed. It's not what you've done. It's not how many people remember you. It's not how much money you've given away. The ultimate question is who have you loved? From a lot of current church debates, you'd think we were all in for a huge exam on theology or doctrine or Bible literacy. Jesus summed up all we need to know in one sentence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. When the man asks Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, what do you think? The man quotes that, as we've come to know, as the great commandment, this combination of two Old Testament verses from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And Jesus said, yep, you got it. Do that, and you will live. Love is all that matters. Don't be duped by the childish ways of earth. We can participate in the fun ways of earth, the little diversions that are created for our enjoyment. But we must never deceive ourselves into thinking that anything we do will last unless it's done in the spirit of love. Doesn't matter how wonderful the world thinks it is. Doesn't matter if you're prominent in business or entertainment or politics. Doesn't matter if you get invited to important functions or if you appear in the history books. Doesn't matter if you're listed in Forbes magazine, in the Guinness Book of World Records, in some hall of fame or in somebody's wet cement. God is not impressed, even if you've left your entire fortune to charity. God still wants to know, who have you loved? Has love been the guiding principle of your life? Love is all that matters. Love is the only thing that's eternal because love is the nature of God. Love is the only thing that reaches beyond death. And that's why Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, and now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. It's greater than faith, greater than hope. 
Faith and hope will both disappear when we meet God face to face. They won't be needed anymore. But love remains, for God is love. For love to end would mean for God to end. God is eternal, and therefore love is eternal. Love is all that matters, because God is all that matters. Whatever we do in love is done on an eternal plane. When we act in love, we participate in eternal life, here, now, not just after death. Eternal life isn't something we enter only after death. Eternal life is something that we participate in now. As soon as the God of love comes into our hearts and finds an unblocked channel to be able to spread that love out to others. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says, Everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Love is all that matters. Love is the only thing that extends beyond the grave, beyond time, beyond ourselves. Love never ends. And eternal life is now. When we love, the heavens move. New things, eternal things, are created. God loved and the world was born. God loved us and flesh came on our dry bones. Life filled us and we were transformed. When we love with God's love, we too create things that are eternal in the heavens. Our acts of love are fixed beyond all time and beyond all space. Those children and adults who loved Erica Gould here did something eternal. That love goes on. It continues every minute of every day. It's on the eternal plane and it'll go right on at the time that we die and beyond that. Those we love are with us forever, really. And by the way, I believe that includes our pets. What is the guiding principle of your life? Unless it's love, you're building a house of cards. Over the years I'm here, like it or not, you're going to hear that theme again and again and again. Sorting out what it means to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves isn't easy. That can be really tricky, which is why the lawyer followed up his question to say, uh, so who is my neighbor really? And that resulted in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And love being tricky is why we have 66 books of the Bible to help us figure it out. But the core message is that it's all about love. It's not about doctrine. It's not about saying some magical prayer. It's not about deeds or obeying the law. Square one is love. Love God first and then balance the love of self with the love of others. That's the place that everybody has to start. And if you don't start there, you're going to keep getting sent back to square one to start over. I know that because I've seen square one a lot. Love never ends. It's the only thing that will last. That's such a comfort. I visited my father's grave up in South Newfane, Vermont, this past summer. Grass had started to grow over the flat stone, and so I did some weeding around the edge showing so much more clearly the words in capital letters bigger than my father's name across the bottom that says, love never fails. And when I saw that and cleared it off, I smiled, because I know it's true. 
and it was wonderful to be reminded. So why waste our time with other things? Learn to love first, and then those other things become eternal in the heavens. Then those other things are part of our eternal life with others. Then the prophecies and the teaching and the tongues and the giving and the sacrifice, then they matter when they're done in love. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of love, and all these things will be added unto you. All the fruits of the Spirit are the fruits of love. Forget the wet cement and the restroom walls. Love somebody and leave your name in eternity. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Thank you.